Welcome to Basic Binges, everyone. I'm so excited to be here again today because we are doing the first installment of Ms. Marvel. Uh, you know, what an amazing show, honestly. Um, personally, you know, for me, um, I'm not super, super well-versed in Kamala Khan lore. And honestly, I didn't think that this show was going to be as amazing as it was. But lo and behold, the first episode dropped. And not only is it amazing, but it's arguably probably the best uh, of the Marvel streaming series debuts um, so far. I think, anyways. At least I, I think so. But uh, we've got a panel of experts here uh, to chat about whether or not that that's the case. Uh, I would love to introduce everyone to... Uh, Jasmine, we'll start with you first. Uh, do you want to uh, tell everyone about yourself? <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name is Jasmine. My social media handle is Jasmine Joestar. So I am a huge nerd. Um, I've been a Miss Marvel fan since her comics actually dropped in 2014. So to see her come to fruition in the MCU and the Disney Plus series, I'm it's like a dream come true. I still like can't believe it. It's a bit surreal. And so I'm really happy to uh, share my love with her, of her, with everybody. And I'm really happy to be here and discuss her. Amazing. Great to have you, Jasmine. Um, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Tony, how about yourself? Hey, everybody. I'm Tony Sanchez. Um, my social is the Tony Sanchez. Um, I, I, I am super pumped to be here and to talk about it. And uh, just like, um, I'm sorry, is it Jasmine or Jasmine? Jasmine, yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. like so, Yasmin, but Jasmine is just easier. So <laughs> okay, well, yeah, we'll talk about that after. Yeah, okay, so. <laughs> but just like you, I've been a huge fan since her comic debuted, and this That's is the first like, one. This is such a comfy cosplay, by the way. So uh, if anybody wants to bring this back with me when I start cosplaying <laughs> again this year, when I'll I read up on the world. That. Uh, totally down for that. But yeah, I'm I'm so pumped. I'm glad that this is finally here. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm pumped about it, but I also have uh, my own thoughts and maybe a few criticisms about the first episode. But by and large, I am just absolutely thrilled to be here. That's awesome. We're glad to have you, Tony. I'd love to dive into those thoughts. And for those of you who don't know me, um, I'm Mike Manalo. Of course, I've been hosting um, some of the Moon Knight, uh, you know, uh, uh, shows as well as um, you know helping with Obi-Wan and Book of Boba Fett on basic binges handle is at tidybowlboy182 and with that let's dive in guys um, okay so before we go into every detail of the episode sequentially um, overall thoughts and reactions Tony I'd love to start with you um, overall did you like the first episode um, what were your thoughts uh, holistically I have been waiting for not just Kamala Khan, but just in general. Well, before even uh, this uh, show debuted, just when her comic dropped, I've been waiting for that kind of character for a very long time. Because when we start thinking about how there are several examples that I could kind of bring up about like, you know, the nerdy uh, superhero, the young uh, kind of unsure and awkward and maybe even a little bit cringy uh, male superhero that kind of gets to like, you know, uh, find themselves, you know, through their superpowers and find their confidence. I mean, like Peter Parker is probably like the ultimate paradigm of that, of that, of that trope. But when you start thinking about like the female versions of that kind of character, I mean, it's pretty sparse. I think it's like Kitty Pride, but mm -hmm. only for like the first 10 years of like her existence within the comics, because then they quickly age her up just so that way, I guess we feel a little bit better about her 
being a young adult soldier as opposed to a child soldier. But anyways, I digress. Um, <laughs> I was really excited to finally have somebody like Hamala where it's like, that is firmly a teenage character, um, a brown girl at that, uh, just because that's also another thing that brown uh, uh, female characters, young female characters at that don't really get, we don't get to be awkward and weird it's like again when you start opening it up even beyond superheroes it's like what's another example you could bring up lilo and lilo and stitch there's not very many uh opportunities for those kind of characters to really like not just exist but definitely be centered in a story so uh to see her brought to life in this disney plus show and to see her like complete i mean first off uh, the the actress iman she's just she's perfect it's a, it's a perfect casting in my mind um, it's, it, it, it just is really, it's blowing all my expectations. Um, I have a few, uh, quips here and there about like timing, uh, and, and the pace of, of the episode, uh, yeah. about, uh, certain sound mixing issues. Um, but as far as like nailing who the character is really trying to establish, you know, her origin story and really uh, developing a world that feels like hers, but that still feels like part of the MCU. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, my expectations have been met and I can very much tell that they're gonna be exceeded. Out of 10, what, what, what would you give it? Um, eight and a half, eight and a half. half. Feels, yeah, especially for this episode, for this very first episode, it feels like an eight and a half. That's a very admirable score. I applaud that <laughs> very much so. Uh, Jasmine, how about you? Uh, we'll go its point first, and then um, your 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 details. <laughs> so um, I actually was blessed enough to go to the premiere, and I saw yeah. the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tony, it's you're gonna just get better. Hold on, it's gonna get it's gonna get even better than what it is. Um, in my opinion, obviously, I'm very biased. Um, so I've been, like I said earlier, I'm a Marvel fan. Since the comics dropped in 2014, uh, my best friend got it for me. He said, hey, have you heard of the superhero? Brand new comic. She's Muslim. I'm Muslim. Um, and I instantly, like, the moment I read the comic, I was just like, I can't believe it. Like, I feel for the first time in my life, like, seen. Like, I've always been a nerd since I've been a kid. Um, and I just never really related to anybody. Like, we had such little like female heroes to begin with and now we're getting just like what tony said we're getting into like a bit younger so they're not all very mature adults um and i think all of us here have like a young side to us like we're young at heart we love our comics we love disney anime all these things right so we're you know a bit like you know like in our inner child is pleased um and so i was really happy with the first episode i think they did a great job. I would also give it like same rating, eight and a half out of 10. I wanted to see more of the power changes. Very interesting. I know that was like a very debated upon topic and we're seeing a little more of that and you're going to see more as well going into the series and that's it. No more spoilers for that. But um, I'm really happy to see what they did with her. I'm again, I'm going to say I'm very biased. A lot of what happened in the first episode hit home. Mm-hmm. Um and hit a spot that I did not know. Like there's such very little representation in pop culture when it comes to 
um, brown people from like Middle East, Muslim as well. And so the fact that this existed, I'm seeing it on the big screen, like, oh, I saw it on the big screen. And then, you know, the fact Disney, Marvel, my favorite things in the whole world, you know, um, I'm very happy to see what they did with it. And uh, I love Iman's the perfect casting. She's has that, you know, childhood innocence about her, which Miss Marvel has. I got vibes of Scott Pilgrim and Spider-Verse in the first episode. And I love Spider-Verse. I love Miles. I think everybody loves Peter Parker, Spider-Man. And I see that in her. She is that fangirl. She's young. She's um, playful. She's, you know, just like all of us as teenagers, hella cringe. And so <laughs> I'm so, and then she's, she's a fangirl, right? And she's, cosplaying I'm a cosplayer I'm just like it's funny because a lot of people have been memeing it uh with the euphoria euphoria scene where um the the play is going on and the girl turns to the other girl I totally forgot their names already but she goes is this play about like is this fucking play about us sorry if like cursing is not allowed but I'm just like I felt that I was just like uh wait a minute I feel kind of attacked as a cosplayer but in a, in a funny way right um so I loved it and I'm super happy with it. Yeah, eight, eight and a half to nine, without the bias, with the bias, nine and a half out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is coming from, I'm a, I've, growing up, I was a huge comic book nerd. I loved the X-Men. Uh, that was my gateway drug into the Avengers and literally the rest of the Marvel Universe. Um, around the late thousands and maybe the 2010s as well, I would have on and off phases with comics. And the time that Kamala Khan debuted in around 2013, 2014, um, I was on my off phase. So I didn't actually, and I regret it now, I wish I picked up those first appearances because now she's huge and those are worth a lot. Um, but I didn't get, I didn't get as uh, introduced to, those character, to this character um, I haven't been as, um, you know, well-versed with her mythology, um, you know, from, since her existence. I missed out on that period. Um, I got better versed on it, obviously, as soon as um, she started becoming a much bigger player in the Marvel comics um, and, and started going back and rereading some of the comics just through the Marvel Unlimited app and everything. And um, yeah, I, I, that being said, um, you know, I love the fact that it spoke to both of you guys um, as, as, you know, a representation from a representation angle um, as a brown female in comics, which is absolutely rare that no, no one's ever seen that. Um, you know, I think that that means the world to me that it means the world to you guys, because that's what comics needs to be. That's what comic books need to be. That's what the, it never was like that in the sixties. It never was like that in the seventies. And it was like that all up until probably the early mid thousands, I would say it started to change. So the fact that we're getting Kamala Khan in the comic books meant the world to so many people, especially, um, you know, with Islamophobia being as high as it was during those times and everything like that, and still rampant and persistent today to have a character out there represent that area, you know, of, of uh, culture means the world to a great sector of people. So all that to say, because I didn't have as much knowledge you know, about Kamala going into Ms. Marvel, I wasn't as anticipated. Uh, I wasn't anticipating it as much as I was like, let's say Moon Knight, who I loved or, or, um, you know, Dr. Strange, who I was a huge fan of as well. Um, and then I watched this, the first two episodes as well. 
Oh, we won't spoil the second episode. We'll say that for another day. But we watched the first two episodes um, as well. And I was blown away. Like, without any bias, just very objectively going into this, I think the only exposure I really had was playing as her in the Marvel Avengers video game, which wasn't a very yes. good game, to be honest. Which I think your shirt is actually referencing, by the way. Yeah. I think yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> um, I, that I broke got my heart actually, that the game was not great. I'm the just game like, was not great. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and unfortunately, you know, that's not a very good first exposure for Kamal, to Kamal Khan. I think you could have done so much better. Um, but uh, that being said, this first episode, out of the gate, I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. Um, and the reason being is because I, I just, it's just delightful. There's nothing you can, you can say about it that, that's really just like, it's so bright and optimistic. Mm-hmm. I love the Edgar Wright touches to everything. Like um, when they're texting each other and you see the emojis and the dot, dot, dots and the symbols when they're walking. That, that was visual, so cool. It was great. And it reminded me a lot of Baby Driver, you know, where he's like singing, the, listening to that song and you see the lyrics on the walls and everything like that. And I was like, this is such an Edgar Wright kind of not, you know, tongue in cheek, winking at the camera, fun way of expressing things. They do so much with what I would imagine, sadly, would be a much lower budget than a, a show like Moon Knight or a show like, uh, you know, WandaVision. Um, so having said that, I found it delightful. I ended up loving all of the characters. Uh, they all ended up and, and the relationship to Kamala was was always engaging for me. It was never boring. It was always sympathetic and it was always real. It felt lived in. And hands down, biggest, biggest and best debut ever in the MCU for any actor, I think is Mon Villani. She just nails it. She gets into that scene, the first scene, and you're already in love with her from her narration of the events of Endgame all the way to the end of that, you know, just throughout that episode. She's such an expressive actor, actress. She's such a a terrific, uh, charismatic presence. And I spent the entire episode going, this might be a better debut than even Tom Holland as Spider-Man, you know, and those are huge shoes to fill. So, yeah. Um, So that being said, I'm I'm glad that we all loved it. I think we could probably start breaking down aspects of it. What did you guys think of the intro? Um, you know, uh, Tony, we'll, we'll start with you. Um, her uh, kind of talking about the events of Endgame up to her having her first driving lesson. <laughs> I, to the YouTuber, to the YouTuber. <laughs> the content creator. <laughs> I, love I love it so much. I, I'm just like, yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, that's it. it, it yeah, that is, that tracks. That's 100% <laughs> what you do when you love the Avengers. You make YouTube videos about how much you love them. <laughs> and I, 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 I loved it. I thought it was such a, uh, and more than just endearing um, her to the audience, I felt like it was also it was a really great way to kind of show like how the lore of the Avengers mm-hmm. actually exists and how it manifests like in the world for like normal people. Um, I, I my biggest uh, criticisms of the MCU overall, especially within the Infinity Saga, is like we get to see what's happening with the Avengers, but we don't really get to see like how the world is really reacting to them just outside of like the few times that they're being like, you know, if it's Tony Stark in front of a, a huge crowd getting, you know, massive amounts of applause or um, especially with uh, after Endgame, you know, we, we lost Tony, we lost uh, Natasha and 
I know me, I just kind of felt like, well, does the world care at all that these people are gone? Does it, you know, especially like, I know they'll miss Tony because Tony was a public figure. He was a celebrity, but it's like, was Natasha at the, at the same level, you know, would people have cared and to like, even see like uh, within the episode, you know, how people definitely are not only taking notice, but like memorializing them and like, mm-hmm. you know, modeling themselves. And even the fact that I'm like, I don't, <laughs> and, and especially because she's such a huge fan of Carol, it's like, oh yeah, I guess the world will know and should know about Carol. I don't exactly know like how they would have like uh, told the world about that battle, right? The Avengers versus Thanos at the end of Endgame. I don't know if there was like a Dateline special or something, or it's just been pieced together from Scott Lang's podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I just think that it's like really wonderful that it's like that story has been told. People know who was there. People know that, that they have several heroes out there, uh, to, to, um, to appreciate and love. Um, I love the fact that she just picked like, yeah, that one, the one that punched a ship out of the sky. That's the one I love. Um, and so I just find it, uh, I find her, her adoration feels real for, for, uh, you know, her fangirling feels weird, uh, not weird, but like real. And it, mm-hmm. and even though, yeah, it can be a little cringy at times, but it's also like, yeah, that's us. We are super cringy at times <laughs> and how much <laughs> I love these characters. Um, but it's sweet and, and beautiful and wonderful. And it connects her to this bigger community of, of, of others and the way that she interacts with, you know, her friend and, oh my God, the driving test, the driving test. If that just was not like <laughs> the perfect way to just undercut, like, this is not going to be a cool character that we're following. She's not going to be in any way kind of smooth or suave. It's just going to be this. I, I, I loved it. I thought it was amazing and wonderful. I mean, I feel like I'm just going to say amazing and wonderful throughout this entire hour. So. <laughs> add a you. cosmic to it. <laughs> yeah, we could, we could throw around cosmic. cosmic. Uh, Jasmine, did you have any, any thoughts as well in the intro? Um, so in the comic, mm-hmm. <laughs> not to be that person, like if you were no. the mom. I love um, it. Yeah. <laughs> in the, in the comic, she's not a YouTuber. She's, um, she does fanfics and I thought it was really cute how they adapted it to be a YouTuber is a bit more relatable um, Mm -hmm. given the time period, right? It's been, so that dropped in 2014. The person writing it is in their now late thirties and forties. So they were a millennial writing a Gen Zer. So it's going to be a bit different, right? So they wrote as fanfics. So I like the adaptability to do YouTube content. And I thought that was nice. Um, and I liked how exactly what Tony said, I, this is the first, uh, Disney plus, I don't want to say MCU, but I guess it's not the cinematic universe, but it kind of, it will be because all of these characters have been in, in and out or entering the MCU. It's, it's officially um, MCU canon for sure. Okay. For sure. Okay. So then I can say MCU, right. I'm not going to get something like, it's actually not the MCU. Yeah. Um, no, it's, all right. it's officially MCU for sure. <laughs> okay, good. So, all right. So this is the first first episode in the mcu disney plus series shows that i am not confused as to what the hell is going on wanda (laughs) vision confused loki confused moon knight confused i'm constantly lost (laughs) this is the first one where i'm just like all right i could like breathe like i don't have to like my mind is not going not everyone's having a conversation on social media as to like figure out what in the world is happening and it's also our first um female superhero because wanda is a hero i don't know if she's a hero anymore homegirl's a villain anti-hero <laughs> I would say, yeah. 
WandaVision, she's definitely, she ends as the villain, but she starts it out kind of as an anti-hero. Well, debatable. Anyways. Right. So this (laughs) is the first one, the first where we have like, it's clear cut, easy to understand. I could just relax and enjoy it while I'm watching. I'm not trying to like strain myself, trying to understand what's going on. And exactly like Tony said, it's, it's placed in a point where we see what's happening, which like the only ever time we ever saw what happened in the, in the scope of Endgame and Avengers was in um, Far From Home, Spider-Man, yeah. right? Where we saw the posters of, of Iron Man and stuff. And so we know where we're at in the series. Immediately, no confusion there. We know who the character is. It's a kid, um, instantly relatable because she's a fan. So I enjoyed the car lesson thing was hilarious. I thought it was really funny. It was a great, um, it was a great uh, comical break without trying too hard, right? It's something, and again, it, at that point, we're like, okay, if you couldn't relate to her being a fangirl, you can relate to her messing up her driver's test because we've all <laughs> been there. We've all like struggled with that. So instant, like when, I instantly feel relaxed watching it, mm-hmm. knowing that I'm gonna have a good time. So yeah, I like. So random, random question for you guys: Did you guys watch Hawkeye? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like, so I I, I agree with you a lot. Their MCU has been very, in, in terms of the shows, anyways, uh, the Disney Plus shows. Um, Jasmine, you are spot on. Most of them are kind of like, what the hell are you going on? I feel like Hawkeye's the only one that was a little straightforward. Maybe maybe Falcon Winter Soldier. That was pretty straightforward as, as to what was going on, too. Yeah. Um, but I feel like with, with Ms. Marvel, it's the second MCU show to really introduce a new character. And the first one was Moon Knight. And if you watch that first episode in Moon Knight, you're like, what the hell is happening? Unless you were like, well, versus with the comics. Um, so having a show that's just very straightforward, you don't need to have oodles of mythology. If you don't know anything even about the, the Infinity Saga, she's recapping you on the Infinity Saga in the beginning mm-hmm. with, you know, but she's doing it from a fan's perspective, which is, uh, as, as Tony, you mentioned, is, is so human and relatable um that enthusiasm that she shares that love for comic book characters i in their world real life heroes but in our world comic book characters um it's it's infectious it's it's everything that we feel inside when we talk about ms marvel and when we talk about captain marvel and when we talk about the avengers um so i ultimately um immediately infectious um personality we we just love her to death from the instant she starts uh talking and then failing that driver's test tony you brought up a really good point that's our first sign that this is not the cool girl the cool sexy comic book girl from (laughs) jersey who wears skimpy outfits and in every comic book has like a triple d cup you know i mean like this is this is a regular girl this is one of us this is who people are in real life um and i i love that she messes up um and you know in in the most human way possible um it's it just opens the door to who this person is and what these relationships are going to look like as the series progresses um so moving on uh we get to high school we meet Nakia and Bruno, her two best friends. Um, you know, Bruno is uh, an absolute sweetheart. We find out he's a genius. Nakia is also a wonderful, pol- socially active individual for sure. Um, and we love her for that. Uh, we, we kind of, you know, frowned on her for betting against Kamala's driving test, but who could blame her after that first, uh, you know, that first iteration? Um, and we see that these guys are kind of the outcasts in school, you know? I mean, like, Kamala's 
no one really knows her name. They're kind of just like, this is where she can't get to her locker, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's- Spider-Man vibes. It's Spider-Man it's vibes, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it, what did we think about uh, the introduction of Bruno and Nakia and how they're being portrayed in the series, especially um, since both of you guys have been reading these two characters um, since they've been in the comics for some time. Um, did you guys like how the MCU is kind of setting them up and portraying them so far? And um, free for all, whoever wants to go first. <laughs> I like them. I think it's great. I think um, I'm going to take it outside of the comics for a second. I mean, in the comics, she is that, but like real life Nakia being a hijabi yeah. is so refreshing. And like the, her style about it is uh, awesome because it's always been something that like Americans are like the West. I hate saying it that way, but like they're kind of like, look at the hijab and was like, hmm you know, this is a woman oppressed or this is, you know, not a choice. And we're going to get a lot of information about that. And a lot, and this is the mm. first time I really see actually a hijabi on screen, you know, cause we got in Moon Knight, we got Layla. Layla is Middle Eastern. Nakia is Middle Eastern too. Um, Layla religion unknown, I think. Um, but uh, Nakia is obviously Muslim. So her having the hijab and being cool and down to earth, you know, um, I love that. And I love how like you already can tell from like body language, she's in power. She's um, like a bit of an older sister type of vibe to Camilla. And I like mm -hmm. that. And I love Bruno. Bruno gave me the Ned vibes from Spider-Man, you know, but um, and I, I love their their friendship as even though there might be something else happening. <laughs> Not similar to Ned and Peter, but um, but yeah, so I, I really like the dynamic of their friendship and I think it's pretty wholesome. And I like how, you know, again, like I compare it to Spider-Man, but like in this case, there's two girls, you know, versus yeah. two boys. And so I, I like the more of, you know, we're adding more female um, characters into the MCU, yeah. Tony, how um, about you? I yeah. remember in the comic, um, who was the blonde white character in the comic? Is it the same name as, oh, what is her name? Oh, but anyway, the, what is it? The other girl. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot her name already. Oh, too. I can't yeah, remember. I but anyways, there's like a whole- The popular girl, right? Yeah, yeah the, the popular, popular girl. girl. Where basically uh, she interacts with, 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 with uh, Kamala and she's like basically saying like, oh my God, yes, because like you must be so oppressed because of your culture and religion. <laughs> and she's- trying to position herself as like, and I know these things because I'm like so aware and culturally <laughs> proficient woke, and like, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, oh my God, like seriously. And it's like this, um, it, they infantilize Kamala yeah. in the comics. Is it was Zoe and or Zoe? Zoe? Zoe in, it's Zoe, Zoe in the show. Um, yeah, I so think. It's probably Zoe in the comic yeah. as well. Okay. But it's, yeah. yeah, so instead of this being like, um, they kind of touch on that it's like, oh, these used to be friends and they used to play together whenever they were younger and now that they're firmly in high school, they definitely have nothing to do with one another. Um, and in the comics, it's very much like everybody, not just Zoe, but like everyone else is like, oh, you're the you're the, you know, you're essentially a baby because of the fact that your culture like prevents you from like socializing like the rest of us. Like you can't go out and uh, hang out like the way that we can and you can't dress the way that we can. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, in the comics, Kamala gets her powers from the Terrigen Mists and she just happens yep. to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And she's at her party. Yeah. What's that? She was at her party. At Zoe's yeah, at party. party that Zoe, so Zoe was at. Out just yeah. to prove a point to be like, right. I can be like the others. Yeah. And I love that they kind of like, all right, that's 
that was a point to be made then, but now we're changing it for here. And I think that was the right move. Yeah. Um, and I like that they don't have to go ahead and verbalize the fact that like she feels different mm-hmm. um, and that there isn't necessarily like a blatant bully. It's just her kind of just feeling at odds and at a step with everybody else, just for a number of reasons, but also because she herself hasn't found her own confidence yet. Her, her parents and, and their expectations is also coming into play. So uh, it's like coming of age. Right. Yeah. So I like that there isn't just such a, if this was like in the nineties or eighties, they definitely yeah. would have made Zoe like push her into a locker or something. Yeah. Right? And nobody's doing that. It's just more of a like, Oh, like people are just kind of like cold to her. Nobody's like blatantly mean, which right. I do like that we have now progressed to a more like real like insidious and subtle yeah. way of bullying yeah. or right. just ostracizing somebody um, for the sake of the story, just because it's like, that feels more real. It's yes. not often that you're going to get um, like a William Zapka character, a, mm-hmm. you know, from Karate Kid, where they just want to immediately start beating the shit out of you on site. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, it felt more real. Um, I do like uh, Nakia. I do like Bruno. There's a lot there that's left unsaid, but mm-hmm. it does make me, it makes me want to watch more. Cause I'm just like, what is Bruno's deal? Like when Kamala says like, oh, because he has no family. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Who has no family and what's happening? Why does he seem to be like the proprietor of a whole convenience store and he has a loft apartment <laughs> above it? He looks 14. What is happening? <laughs> and I just realize now that like, even if I knew, if I had no connection to these characters, if this had not been attached to a comic book at all, I would be like, well, now I have to watch next week in order to find out what Bruno's deal is. So I love that there's a lot left unsaid and that it's not just full of heavy exposition. Yeah. Um, I like that they're allowing these conversations to be more natural because the way that we normally talk to each other, especially when we're amongst friends, it's not like, well, Johnny, you know that I can't go out because of my parents and they're such a drag. Oh, like it's, it feels <laughs> like I know that about you. And therefore all the things that are important about you don't have to be verbalized. So I, I like the more natural ap- approach to developing these characters. Yeah, no, that's, it's kind of the nice, refreshing thing about the writing. Um, You know, I mean, I think it's uh, Bisha Ali, uh, the writer, and I think she's the showrunner as well, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Who who put this teleplay together. Um, She makes the world feel a lot more lived in. I think, I think that's something that it has in common with Spider-Man Homecoming and, and um, even Far From Home to a degree, you know, Flash Thompson's not a stereotypical like uh, Joe Manganiello, I'm going to punch you because you threw French fries in my face <laughs> or whatever. Um, you know, this is this is like, hey, penis Parker, you're a douchebag. You know, that's that's bullying today. Right. And it's not real right. bullying. Flash is not like a monster, you know, just the same way that Zoe's not a monster. A um, <laughs> yeah, they, they're just jerks, you know. Um, and, and I love I love that that gives a, a feeling of authenticity uh, and and really down to earth, real world sensation to this this to not just the MCU, of course, because this is the MCU, but to Kamala's in, inner world, her her specific area of the world um, and of the MCU. So, yeah, echo everyone's sentiments. Love that. Um, so moving on from there, uh, we get a lot more, of course, of uh, Kamala and Bruno. And uh, this is, they, they're chatting about this game plan because she failed her test. She's not going to be able to take the car out and run errands, which would have been the perfect guys for 
something that we all wish was real, AvengerCon. Might be um, true. God. I don't know, Kevin. I think so. You did say that yep. there might be an AvengerCon in the future. So, hey, we, man. We're hoping. He yeah. would be a very unsmart man if he didn't make that happen. <laughs> I mean, we get Star Wars Celebration. We, I was just there two weeks ago, and it ended up being a super spreader event where everyone that I knew got COVID. Thank yeah, God, same. not me. Oh, no. But, yeah, right? Did get you? No, no, no. I was okay. freaking out because, and same. sorry, this is tangential for our viewers. I was freaking out because I was sitting in a panel um, with, for, for Mandalorian, and we really wanted our friend to join us. So he came and joined us. Um, the day after, the evening after, uh, he literally tested positive. So we were freaking out because we were like sitting oh, next to him the entire time. We had our masks on, but Thank just God. being that close. And lovely guy, love him to death. Not his fault at all. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was really, really touch and go there and super scary. Um, but everyone else that I know around there just, just got it. And it was scary as hell. So hopefully when AvengerCon becomes a thing, uh, COVID, it, it won't be a COVID super spreader event. Uh, I, I have a feeling like it just clicked in my head right now that it yeah. totally might be like a Disney event and they'll just have it at Avenger Campus, especially now yeah. that uh, Epcot also at Walt Disney World just got a Guardians ride that just yeah. like a week ago. I have a feeling like it might be there because um, all the superheroes there for the MCU shows is like come and go, right? Like we'll have yeah. Hawkeye, we'll have um, the Loki from the was the TVA, the TVA. Yeah. yeah, and then we have Miss Marvel right now. Yeah. Um, we also had Kate Bishop. We had Moon Knight, both the um, Mister Knight and Moon Knight. Exactly. So mm-hmm. we we've yeah. So I feel like I was like, there's no way they're just gonna have these characters and just gonna disappear. Like I feel like they're gonna come back, and I feel like they might you know test drive it at one of these Disney events, especially because at these Disney events you could cosplay. Um, yeah. The adults can cosplay because that's forbidden at Disney outside of ticketed events but yeah. hey i'm saying it here and remember it because i think that's exactly what's going to happen and i really hope it does and i really hope it becomes a convention outside of it too but yeah. i think it'll be a, a pavilion at d23 oh D23, it is in a that's couple months so i think it, it'll be a pavilion because up until I, I didn't go to the last one but i mean they usually do like you know yeah for parks and this is for that and i'm like hmm. That's cool and fun, but like, how much better would it be if you're like, hey, you get to, you know, walk in and out of AvengerCon? I feel That's like that smart. would be, I feel like that oh, would yeah. be like just a much better had, way of doing that. They had that for Galaxy's Edge mm-hmm. as well. And like, what else are you going to put for Star Wars? I mean, they're definitely going to put something for Star Wars, but your point, oh, sure. yeah. yeah. Legit point. <laughs> I'm going to go with your your side, Team Tony, on that one. three. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, yes. A couple more months. So, fingers crossed. Yes. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, so that's all I wanted to point out from that scene was the fact that AvengerCon exists and we needed to exist in real life, like tomorrow. Um, but um, moving on from there, uh, we have a storyline for this episode, which is that these kids need to get to AvengerCon. They need a perfect reason for it because Kamala's parents just shut it down. Uh, they don't understand the nature of conventions. They don't understand parties. Uh, it's not a party. It's a convention. Um, but they don't understand that. Um, and on moms, it's a party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything um, people your age that parents are not at and has nothing to do with your culture. That's a party. Not a, I, an orgy. It can happen. Yes. I, <laughs> I do want to ask about that, though, actually. I mean, what did you guys think of the interpretation of how conservative 
uh, Kamala's mom and, and to a degree her dad is. I mean, he seems a little bit more relaxed, but mm. I think a lot of people out there, especially in the Muslim community, were kind of talking about how they don't really always like that interpretation of their culture, you know, and I don't want to speak for them or anything like that, but it's just, uh, you know, feedback that I've, I've heard from fellow reporters of mine who are in that MENA community. Um, did you guys uh, feel like similarly that maybe it was a more negative portrayal of that conservative culture? Or do you think it was pretty accurate and spot on? It was spot on, like, mm -hmm. but for me personally, like, um, I heard all those comments as a kid growing up, like your outfit's too tight. And um, you have to keep in mind that like Muslim culture is more modest in terms of not because it's not an, an oppressive type of way, but like in a protective type of way, like they're trying to protect women, you know, and because you know, obviously women can be attacked and we see that all the time. Um, and so it's, it's a protective type of way. It's also like a self-respect type of way where you shouldn't be like showing your figure and stuff. When you get older, it's different, but when you're younger, they're very protective. And so I went through literally that same exact experience outside of conventions. I didn't start cosplaying till I was like 24. So I was like a fully grown adult. But if I were doing that at 16, definitely like my prom, my mom went with me to prom. I didn't have a date. She came with me I didn't do senior night I was born and raised in Los Angeles so it's like you know it's very much um very spot on for me every Muslim person I've known growing up exact same experience like my best friend she's Muslim Middle Eastern as well she had we both were not allowed dates at prom we were each other's dates to prom because our parents were like no such thing um even though I was asked and she only got to go because and I only got to go because my mom went, you know, so that was a spot on experience. Everybody just got a little bit of my life story right there. <laughs> Did I still dance when uh, from the windows to the wall came on But the Yin Yang Twins? Yes, I was in the middle of the dance floor. However, <laughs> my mom yeah. and I was but 18. <laughs> so I think that that's kind of the beautiful thing about a show like this and a situation like this being yeah. depicted on the show. It's the story probably not just your own story, but probably hundreds and thousands of others out there yeah. um, who have, have wanted to do this, um, whether it's the MENA community or even just like, let's say conservative Asian parents, like the ones that I had, um, you know, I, I think we all experienced that. And it ended up playing like this very universal moment, I think for everyone in a very realistic way, you know? I love that you said universal experience uh, yeah. because I, I'm not Muslim. Um, I'm Native American and I grew up on, on a, a reservation in South Florida, but I was raised um, on the reservation, but my mother is Mexican Catholic. So having a conservative religious uh, mother, yeah, everything that happened, it, it, I was like, oh my God, I, like, I, I was tearing up a lot throughout this episode, but whenever the mom is just like blatant about like, no, I don't trust you. And, and, you know, the dad's like, no, we just don't trust anybody. Like, no, I don't trust oh. you. Or when the, the mom is like, you know, uh, you know, uh, being very adamant about like, you can do this, but you have to do it in a very constrained way, or you have to do it according to our conditions or uh, absolutely not, because there's all kinds of, you know, uh, uh, dangerous Crazy things out there. out there, right? And it's just like, I don't, so 
I was like, God, this, this, this is exact. This is exact. Like the nuances and the, and the terms used were definitely different, but I just was like, this feels almost familiar. It feels so, so real and familiar. (laughs) And so I, I just, I, one, I love the fact that Marvel is part of this trend showcasing how these experiences are not just, yes, they are specific to a community, but they are universal. So that way multitudes of people in other communities have their own very similar experience. Mm -hmm. And I love how they're just blowing wide that myth that was so prevalent, like in the early millennium, that like only certain audiences will appreciate a character if it's from the same community, right? right? So like only if it's a black film, only black audiences will show up and so on and so forth. So I love that they're just blowing that wide open and they've done it with a multitude of their films um, and their projects. And it just was, it just felt so, I I definitely hear what you're saying whenever it's like this idea that like young girls have to be protected because that's the way in which it's always framed, right? That like, you can't do that because you as a young girl don't realize how vulnerable you could be in certain situations. And while, while I'm older, I can appreciate that to that, to some extent, it definitely is also a generational thing. And it's also like a parent child thing. And in a relationship Mm -hmm. that, you know, I think there is a certain, um, you know, when people say like, you'll understand when you're a parent and I'm like, I get that. I get that. You're like super worried. And this is how you communicate your love to me, but it just also at the same time feels at times very constrictive. Oh, very negative, especially when you start trying to convince me that this is foolishness and you should just abandon all these things and just like do the things that we approve of you to do. It just was like, oh yeah, that feels like the moment when uh, Kamala like, you know, hurts her mother and father's feelings when she rejects. Mm. I just hurt like so much. It hurt so much, but at the same time I was like, I get it. But at the same time, like, oh, that sucks, but I get it. And yeah. And I was like, this is exactly the complicated feeling I have about my, my own mom and my own dad. Sometimes when I just felt like, like you're doing too much, I felt the like, I love that you care. And it just, I don't think I can actually pinpoint another moment, especially within these Marvel projects that kind of fully captures how complicated those relationships and those interactions right. can be because you're like Absolutely. on one hand you want Kamala to just go live her best life and win the cosplay contest but at the same time you're just like don't do that to your dad look how excited that man is you take him to Avenger Con right I cried so hard oh, it was oh, so sweet it was so cute that he the effort that she puts into making the costumes him <laughs> painting himself yeah I got was- so mad at her, but then I was like, I was there as a kid too. Right. right. I was like, yeah. I get it, but like, oh, sweetie. And I just think about like, yeah, maybe I did some things to my mom and dad that maybe weren't like the nicest things to do yeah. and say when I was just trying to like <laughs> yeah. live my life as a teenage kid. Like I oh, yeah. but yeah, I, I I just love how even right now I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, kind of sort of maybe I don't know. Uh I still love Kamala, whatever, but at the same time, oh apologize to your dad right now so yeah about the the question you asked is tony actually brought up an excellent point which is what i wanted to say i did see some of those remarks one of the one of the persons that made that remarks is somebody that i i know and i I love that person so i know exactly what you're talking about however 
Um, the fact that her mom went, spent time, made costumes for her and her dad shows that her mom is open in understanding yeah. to that. As long as you have your guardian with you, which by the way, again, totally happened with me. I went to go see Lord of the Rings when I was 13, when it came out, my dad had to come with me. My dad's even a bigger fan of Lord of the Rings than I am. So <laughs> because of that, but it's like, you can do this. However, I'm scared. Just those words. I'm not scared of you i'm scared for you has been uttered in my life so much when they had said that i'm like no fucking way did they just say that i thought i was the only one and so when that happened i was just like whoa um yeah i guess it wasn't just me but that's the fact that they did that shows like her mom was open and understanding and went even above and beyond to stay up all night to make these costumes for her you know what i'm saying so yeah it's it's not it's for for those out there who are looking at it like it's an oppressive culture it's clearly not it is so much more of a protective culture and and that's not anything that's even culturally specific it's universal you know what parent doesn't want to protect their kids they made a whole movie about fish called finding nemo that touches on that i mean come on people it's not an oppression in the episode too like when she ends up leaving her bike and they say yes. what's the chances of you having that coming back and it's like oh it's jersey city like, they, you know what i'm saying so it's just like yeah. they did touch on how like they yeah. don't live in the best right. area yeah. as well so so it's not just like oh just you know parents with the iron grip it's yeah. more like yeah we're aware of where we live mm-hmm. it is a tried area trying area right so let's be careful and you're young and a kid and obviously your head's in the clouds mm-hmm. um so you're not like you're vulnerable so yep. i i don't think it's it's too conservative at all no not at all so speaking of iron grip um we'll have to move on just a little bit because i think we're running out of time uh first off i'd like to address michael lee for tuning in thank you and saying hi thank you for saying hi and tuning in hi michael and then i am cowie says i was so hyped that she is a cosplayer which is amazing so taking the cosplayer and the iron grip there's one scene that we have to move into, which is A, Kamala, as her mom's throwing out a box of junk, quote unquote, finds a cuff there, and it ends up being the perfect personal touch for her Captain Marvel cosplay. Her and Bruno escape out the tree as very inelegantly as possible, <laughs> despite her fantasy. I thought it was a dream sequence. <laughs> so, That's how inelegant it was. I was like, this is 100% that was so not good. happening, right? <laughs> it, it was. Um, they they somehow, with the skin of their teeth, make it to AvengerCon minus one bike, which is sad, um, as you mentioned, Jasmine. Um, but they get there, and it's like the greatest time ever. You know, We are seeing all these amazing Easter eggs. We want to be there with them. It's so much fun. And she gets ready for a cosplay contest. Sadly, she leaves the gloves that Bruno poured his heart and soul and sweat into making uh, very sweetly behind. But at least she has her cuff. She puts it on. And this is where the iron grip comes in. Um, You know, she starts projecting lights. um, And, you know, I mean, uh, everyone's freaking out and like happily freaking out. They're excited. They're seeing this person do all this stuff. Uh, but it causes a little bit of commotion. She has to save Zoe, and then she uses her her uh, light iron grip, <laughs> um, you know, uh, which kind of looks a little bit like the embiggen powers in the comics, but purple and made of light um, to save Zoe. So 
how do you guys feel as hardcore Captain Marvel fans that they are, you know, of course, alluding to and paying homage to the Ambigan powers, um, but it is kind of a light energy Green Lantern, Purple Lantern, I should say, based uh, power. You know, I mean, do you guys have any reservations about that or? They no? just made her powers even cooler. Yeah. Like, I think it's, if you read the comics and you knew what her powers were, they mm-hmm. heightened it in a sense. And I'm like, who's not here for that? And also speaking of the convention, can we mention my favorite part was this right here? Okay, so the implication is that Scott Lang got on the mic and then told that whole story and then concluded it with, and then that's when I told Cap, sir, that's America's ass. <laughs> and then the fans just ran with it. That's, that's amazing. The best part. <laughs> <laughs> uh it, it definitely definitely a, a yeah. great scene yeah <laughs> and i think also some of the cool little easter eggs that you see in that like the uh sequence captain marvel statue it's at disneyland right now so folks can go yes. there out you know um which is pretty- no but i i love what they did with her powers just because one with the problem that they would run into with trying to like depict her her abilities uh, in two dimensions was that sometimes it looked like forced perspective as opposed to like a part of her actually growing or it just looked like it was closer to the camera right or the viewer right so I just feel like with making her a little bit more like part Dazzler part Miss Marvel I just feel like that's a much easier not a more readable way of depicting what her abilities are. Yeah. And I I don't, the Terrigen Mist was always just a really weird uh, uh, workaround, I feel, especially since this is mostly around the time that uh, Fox still had uh, the word mutant. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. It's the separation of, of properties. Right. So yeah. then trying to go ahead and work in like, oh, it's Terrigen Mist and it's forced mutation or yep. latent uh, 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 mutant uh, uh, potential. And and it's not the same thing as a, as a mutant. It's a mutate and uh, it's an inhuman or you know, it just was like, uh, how about, you know, sometimes people just have powers. Sometimes people no. uh, happen upon a magical bracelet and uh, yeah, and that's all there is to it. And that's fine. I, I'd much rather just have a much more simplified explanation for the power and we can actually explore what that means yeah. like in terms of her abilities rather than like trying to like debate as to like well it's not comic accurate like who cares? who cares not to mention that let's let's be frank here um with the exception of a very minor scene in a recent mcu movie involving a specific inhuman uh the track record with inhumans in live action has not really been fantastic agents of shield aside they, they did a really good job with the ironic Yes, but, but yes, um, with with a specific royal family, it really didn't come out well. So I feel like I wouldn't blame Marvel for wanting to distance themselves from, uh, you know, the Terrigen Mists and the Inhuman kind of subplots if people would connect it ultimately back to a pretty uh, notorious show. Yeah, I mean, there's that as well as the fact that can we discuss Multiverse of Madness? Let's go for it. Okay, Why not? Well- Mr. Fantastic. I mean, yeah. her powers are way too uh, fam- yes. similar, similar. And familiar mm-hmm. to Reed Richards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there needed to be that clear like distinction that 
she's not part of the fantastic she's not an x-men mm-hmm. i guess they're not trying to go into inhumans like you said because they're i think they're trying to roll the x-men into the mcu slowly but surely um which is probably why they did what they did with wanda as well because she also is an x-men she's magneto's yeah. kid um so i think that's what it is and if we look at the bigger picture take a step back as she still has her embiggening powers um yeah. you know so we're right. we'll be fine i feel like people crying about the powers it's like <laughs> You're being a bit nitpicky here, you know. Let's look at the bigger picture, and I mean, as long as they don't like, you know, um, nerf her, then I'm yeah. good. You know, yeah. making her more powerful. Why would I be mad at that? I think yeah. it's a great addition. I like the power change. And I'm at the end of the day, look. I mean, as long as it's a good story, as long as it's a good character, cohesive. Checkbox, checkbox, just from this episode alone. Um, the details are, are are minor, you know? We want a little bit of comic accuracy. Yes, of course, we love the idea that the embiggened powers work, um, you know, and how it looks in the comics, um, you know, and, but but we don't have to have it as long as it kind of looks pretty cool when she does the hand thing, very similar to the embiggened powers. Enjoy it, just enjoy it, guys. Um, I think that there was, if I may touch on one point, because we are we are sort of about to run out of time. Um, Kamala comes home, her mom's upset, uh, you know, but she now is a superhero. She's got powers, you know, and she's excited about it. Uh, she says cosmic, goes to bed, and then we have a post-credit scene where I wasn't expecting this from the first episode because most Disney Plus shows don't have it uh in the first episode but we get a post-credit scene with the department of damage control uh agent cleary who we saw from no way home uh present and seeing the footage of kamala using her powers at AvengerCon, and now you know the plot thickens um that's where we leave off what did you guys think of cleary's um appearance and and just damage control starting to come into the play I'm gonna let Tommy uh, that because I already saw the second episode. So <laughs> I wish it had, I wish it had been Jimmy Woo. Oh, that would have been yeah. awesome. Oh my god. I wish it had been Jimmy Woo, but I understand that we're more than likely probably setting up some external conflict. Mm-hmm. Um and that's fine. I just really would have loved if that external conflict would have come in the way of one, a character that I do miss and we haven't seen since WandaVision. Um and it would uh, be something where we know, like, this is not going to be, um, I, I don't think these guys will be antagonists. I don't think they'll be necessarily bad guys, but it's like, oh, I, I, a complication, a complication until they prove themselves useful, probably like in the second to last episode. Um, it just, yeah, I, I, I just was like, okay, that's cool. And that's awesome. And I like that she's on the radar. And that obviously that means that she'll probably she's going the trajectory that it's going to take for her to become not just a lead in a Disney show, but Mm -hmm. also in an MCU movie, she's on the fast track, which I do like. And I, that's probably more than likely what it does mean for her. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, that character itself wasn't too jazzed about it. I think it was more about the implications of what it would mean for her as a character and also for the actress to actually be on screen uh, Mm -hmm. in a movie uh, one day. I think that's what I was more excited about. I think, and if I, I may, um, I think that the reason, because I would have loved Jimmy Woo too, that would have been awesome. And I love Randall Park, 
But I think the reason that they chose um, Arian um, Moyad is is because he is also a Middle Eastern um, Mina mm. character from from the MCU, and I think that they wanted to have as much representation in it as possible. Okay. So it kind of it kind of makes sense from a nice connectivity standpoint. But man, I love Jimmy Woo. We don't get enough Jimmy Woo. Yeah. I would love to see him there. Um, I think yeah. we're separating from Terrigen Mist. I think that's what it is because <laughs> yeah. in the comics, yeah. Terrigen Mist also brings up villains, and I think that yeah. they are separating. Even like her brother gets infected in the yeah. comics from the Terrigen Mist. So they are stepping away so far from that. I don't even think we're getting Lockjaw, like, which makes me sad. But I don't think we're going to get Medusa or any of the Inhuman squad. So I think they're just taking it in a different direction. And Iman Vellani did say what universe Miss Marvel belongs in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she said 616. So she's like even disagreed with Kevin Feige's direction. She's I like disagree with Kevin like Feige's direction. Yeah. yeah. She's just like, <laughs> he's wrong. And I'm like, girl, I would not say that. I support Iman on this one. Uh, yeah, yeah. She, she had a point. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. And that's like, for me, makes me even more intrigued because i read the comics i'm good i'm done so if they want to yeah. do a different twist i'm here for it surprise me so yeah yeah we'll see <laughs> we'll see i think we're along for the ride i think it's going to be amazing but the long and short of all of it is kevin feige this is earth 19999 not earth 616 okay <laughs> or that's the bottom eight, line two, three eights or whatever or Dr. Eight, three, eight. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no no i'm kidding um but but yeah uh, you guys, this has been amazing. I know that this is going to be only the first of several episodes that we're going to have where we're going to discuss the living heck out of this amazing show about Mon Valani's amazing, infectious, and charming performance. Um, but overall, it's so good to hear your thoughts. Um, and I think we need to hear, um, you know, these types of thoughts and these types of conversations around shows that we all love, you know, uh, a lot more like this going forward. So um, to wrap things up, uh, Tony, would you like to tell everyone where to find you? Yeah, you guys can find me on all the social media at the Tony Sanchez, uh, Tony with an I, Sanchez with a Z. Okay, perfect. Jasmine, how about yourself? We love it once in one hand, one handle. <laughs> it is the best thing. Jasmine Josar on literally everything. So <laughs> I've been pumping out Miss Marvel content like no tomorrow. So if you want to <laughs> see more non-spoilerish reviews, I'm there too. So. And again, I'm Mike Manalo at TidyBowboy182 on Instagram and Twitter, but also just follow my work on the Nerds of Color uh, and you'll be fine. Um, And what to watch. And that's at LA. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Until next time, guys. Bye.